Welcome everyone to Celtic Creature Podcast 92. Today we're looking at insecurity. You know what amazes me about scripture is we look at these ancient, ancient texts, these old stories. This one's from Exodus. Thousands and thousands of years old and yet it still speaks to the heart in some way. You know, our forefathers and mothers were insecure, and we are today too, but for different reasons, aren't we? And you know what happens when you're needy in some way? Usually what happens is we start to complain, and then we start to get critical. And then people who are really, you know, kind of easygoing people, suddenly they're not easygoing people anymore. Yeah, have you had that? When we're missing something, you might normally be easygoing and good-natured, but if something is missing, it's easy for criticism to start and tempers flare. And this is what happened to the ancient people, and it happened, it happens to us. Insecurity changes people, and it's not for the good. It's a common, common problem. We can't get what we want. We're lacking in some area. We're not at ease. We're unsettled. Uh, Next thing you know, people are blamed. Yeah, it's all here in, in the story of the Exodus or a little part of the story of the Exodus. We can't look at the whole thing. But here's what struck me. The text, the story, the narrative that I'm going to give you a little bit of this morning It does uh, certainly gives us insight into how people behave when we're under stress. But, and that is interesting, but what is of equal interest to me is God's answer to insecurity. That's the part that that struck me in this reading. Because here you will find some very practical lifestyle instruction that for the most part, modern society ignores. And to be honest, it was, it's been difficult for generations of people to incorporate this, this, into the, this lifestyle choice into everyday living. But I want to talk about it this morning because I think that we ignore God's instruction or advice or wisdom at our own peril, Right? Yeah, we can do whatever we want. We can live however we want, but we can end up hurting ourselves. And I think one of the reasons that sometimes we ignore the right thing to do is because it's easy to take the path of least resistance. So we're going along in our life and we, we know that, well, maybe I should make some changes here or maybe I should do this differently or maybe I need to confront this particular situation and then we think, well, I don't really want to do that. I don't know, that's hard. That's going to take some energy that I don't want to do that. Yeah, it's not easy to change. But in the passage, Genesis 16, God gives Moses to give to the people, that would be us, very practical instruction on how to get grounded when you feel that life is chaotic. And I think that most people have felt this last year and a half that 
Well, if it wasn't chaotic before, it certainly is now, right? And even this transition back, we'll certainly hear this transition back in Northern California from, uh, you know, our, <laughs> our shelter in place. Not that easy as far as I can tell. So here's, the, here's a little bit of the story. This is some uh, Bible background to this. And the reason I like to give the background is because we're pooling the wisdom of these ancient texts, we're pulling the wisdom out of them, and we're applying the essence of these passages to modern day living. So here's the story of the Exodus. Here's a little bit of the story. Remember, we're going back thousands of years. Ancient Israel were held captive as slaves by ancient Egypt. Now, they, had, they were slaves for hundreds and hundreds of years, 430 actually. And of course, Pharaoh of Egypt liked having his slaves because they could do all the work for him. But the ancient people of Israel had, of course, longed for freedom and prayed and prayed. And finally, they had the opportunity to be set free. God sent Moses. And Moses and his brother Aaron were the leaders. And the task was that Moses, with the help of God, would guide the people out of ancient Egypt and on to the promised land. Because that was the promise. God says, okay, I'm going to set you free. I'm going to release you as slaves. You're going to go on a long journey. That's what we call the exodus. They're exiting from Egypt. They're looking at the promised land. And you have to follow Moses and Aaron. And God says, and by the way, of course, I'll be with you. Well, they're thrilled to pieces, obviously. They're literally singing for joy. They are composing songs as they left Egypt. They're singing their hearts out. And they're composing songs all about the wonders of God and how God helped them and how God gave them strength and how God saved them from their enemies. You can read all about this in Exodus 15. And they're just absolutely thrilled. But... The week started to pass, and the journey was getting a bit long. In fact, six weeks had passed, and it was hot in the desert, and it's uncomfortable. And they had a bit of a notion for fresh produce. Fresh produce, yeah, fresh produce. They said, you know what? It's hard to get a decent melon out here in the wilderness. And so they started to grumble and complain. They started to grumble and complain about the food, for one thing. I remember the leeks back in, the, back in ancient Egypt. Well, you know, it wasn't the best thing out there, but at least we had decent leeks, didn't we? And the cucumbers we got back there, oh, these cucumbers. And remember the fish and the garlic and the onions? And they start to reminisce of their days as slaves, but they only remember the good parts, right? This is what, this is the... This is what reminiscing does. You look back to the past and you pick out the good parts. This is what the ancient people start to do. And it makes them very frustrated. And in the midst of all this grumbling, 
Suddenly, everything seemed so much better in the old days, and they forgot all about this newfound freedom. In fact, they didn't really want to journey on to the promised land. In fact, they thought that Moses was a rotten leader, and if they followed him, they'd probably all die. And so the passage begins with this one line, verse 2, one line. The whole group of them complained. The whole group of them start to complain. They forget all about their freedom and they start to idealize the past. They start to second guess their decision. Yeah, have you ever done that? You ever made a decision and then it's like things get tough and it's not quite as easy as you thought it was going to be? And you think, oh, I think I've made a horrible choice here. I think I've really made the wrong decision. And you start to second guess everything. This is what the ancient ones do. And it's certainly not helped by idealizing their past. And they start to blame Moses for their present crisis. It's Moses' fault. Why did he have to lead us to this desert to die? We shouldn't have left Egypt. Why did we listen to Moses? Oh, you know, this whole idea of blaming, If once you start paying attention to this idea of blaming, you will see it every day. Anytime you listen to any news or read any news or listen to people in conversation, people are very hesitant to take responsibility. They're always pointing to someone else. They're always thinking about, well, you know, if they hadn't have done that or if they were nicer or if whatever, then I wouldn't be this way. Blaming. It's a, certainly a teaching that Jesus gave more than once. But it's also littered throughout the entire Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament, this whole idea about you know, spiritual maturity is learning to not blame. It's basically just not helpful. It doesn't ever move you on. You know, for as long as you're looking at someone else and what they've done wrong, I think it's, I think the reason that the scripture warns against it is because we get stuck. So the scripture speaks a lot about this, you know, blaming people and certainly speaks a lot about don't always be thinking about the past was better than today. You know? Yeah, I'm sure there were some good things about the past, but there is this human tendency to pick out the good, the good stuff, you know, and then forget the other stuff when you're idealizing the past. Kind of two unhelpful ways of dealing with today's reality, looking back and blaming. The very two things that the ancient people did. Yeah, it's, it's always easier to blame someone else than, to than really to grow up and take your own responsibility for your own life today. And there's no doubt about it that people can cause us a lot of pain and suffering and damage. And that's true. But, you know, once we 
once we see that, there is a point in our spiritual growth or psychological growth where it's like, okay, yeah, that did happen in the past, but okay, rather than me just blame, what do I need to do to move on and be healed from this and learn from this? So these ancient people, getting back to the text here, they're complaining, they're regretting their decision to follow Moses, which is really regretting their decision to follow God. And God hears their complaints and hears their worries and their anxieties and their unbelief. In the midst of all of this grumbling and complaining, God says to Moses, okay, I'm, I'm listening. I, um, I see that the people are worried about food, okay? They keep talking about cucumbers and garlics and whatever else. So here's the thing. Moses, I hear their complaints and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give them an opportunity to trust me which, by the way, I think is most of life and the challenges of life. I'm going to give them an opportunity to trust me. I'm going to, what I'm going to do is, I'm going to, I'm going to rain down bread from heaven. And I want you to tell the people to take what they need. Every morning when they get out of their tents, they open up their tent flaps, they look out, they're going to see bread on the ground. It was kind of like a, uh, a flaky substance that melted once the hot sun uh, melted the dew. And apparently it tasted like wafers and honey. So God says, I want you to tell the people that when they wake up in the morning, I want them to go out and I want to pick up the bread that they will find there. And interestingly enough, the Hebrew word for bread is manna, which means, what is it? So they look up, they get up in the morning, they look up over their tent, they open up the door of their tent, they look out and they go, manna? As in, what is that? What is that stuff on the ground? Well, it must be that, must be that bread that Moses told us about. Let's go get some. So they went out and they picked it up. And sure enough, it tasted somewhat like bread. And it kept them going. And God said, I want you to, I want to tell, tell them this. Pick it up in the morning. And then in the evening, I'm going to send quail. Every day they need to pick up manna in the morning. Now, here's the instruction. And it's very important that you do this properly. You need to do this for six days. And on the seventh day, I don't want you going out and picking up manna. I want that Sabbath day, that seventh day, to be different from all the other days. Now, you can, some of you will know where I'm heading with this, because this is the institution, basically. This is the start off, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Trying to get to the essence of what this means. Because it's not about not shopping on a Sunday or having pubs closed or whatever. It's much, much bigger than that. So they said, God said, Every day, I want the people to go out and pick up the manna in the morning, and then in the evening, I'll send quail into the camp. They can have the meat of the quail. I want them to pick it up every day. On the sixth day, they can pick up enough for two days, but I don't want you going out on the seventh day. I want that to be set apart. I want it to be different. Now, of course, were there people that went out and picked up more than they needed? Of course there was. 
Were there people that didn't listen to the instruction and went out on Sabbath and tried to pick bread? Yeah, there was. Or were there people who went out during the week and hoarded? Yeah, there was. But when they hoarded and when they went back to their cupboard to get their manna, it was covered in maggots. In other words, it was set up in such a way that if you didn't follow the instruction, you lost out in some way. It didn't work, in other words. If you didn't follow the instruction, if you didn't understand it, if you didn't follow it, if you never heard of it, you, you didn't get the benefit of it. In fact, it was all maggoty and horrible. But if you, if you follow the daily routine, but you had to follow the direction, and you had to pick it up every single day. Now, what is happening here is, some of the things I think that's happening here is, is that God is establishing a rhythm of life. And it's like this new rhythm that the people had never, ever experienced before for hundreds and hundreds of years. It was like, I don't want every day to be the same. I don't want you working every day. I don't want you shopping every day. I don't want you laboring every day. I don't want you doing any, every, I don't want every day to be the same. I want the seventh day, the Sabbath day, I want it set aside. I want it different because I'm giving it to you for refreshment and renewal. And it's very, very important that you establish this rhythm. Otherwise, when life gets chaotic, you will lose all sense of stability. You'll have no sense of grounding. And by the way, the culture, certainly this North American culture, European North, has no sense of Sabbath rest. No rhythm like that at all. It's always do, 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 go, go, go. Go on vacation, come back exhausted, this kind of thing. And what God was doing was God was showing the ancient people a rhythm of life that if they followed, if they followed, it could bring security in the midst of insecurity. They had to go and pick up the manna. Now, obviously, you and I can't open up the doors of our houses and apartments and find bread on the ground. So we're talking about a different kind of of manna, a different kind of bread. Now, some of you will know this. Jesus, of course, called himself the bread of life for a reason, I think, right? I am the bread of life. It was like every single day you have to go out and somehow remind yourself where your security lies. Your security does not lie in your own strength on your own smarts, on your own intellect, on fathoming things out. You have to remember, ultimately, every breath, every moment, everything is God. God is providing. But you have to remind yourself of this, otherwise what can happen is, let's say you just went out and picked up your manna once a month. What can happen is, in between times you forget. And you start to think, well, it's all up to me. 
I've got to figure this problem out. I have to figure this relationship out. I've got to figure out our future. Our future looks dire. I don't know what we're going to do here. This is awful. And then before you know it, you're caught in a cycle of insecurity. Because there's no Sabbath rest. You see? You've got to learn how to, what the New Testament calls, you have to learn how to enter Sabbath rest. Now, obviously, entering Sabbath rest is a spiritual energy and place, right? It's like an interior peace. You know, it's, it's, how would you say it? It's like, I suppose it's prayer in a way. You could call it prayer. You could call it contemplation. You could call it withdrawing. But it's not just withdrawing as in, I think I'll go out to the woods and take the dog a walk and be refreshed. Yeah, you can be refreshed that way. There's no doubt about it. That's a good thing to do. But this is the type of uh, thing that you would do that would connect you to something much bigger. That would be the big thing would be God, right? So when you're going out and you're picking up the manna, You're finding a way, and it's going to be different for each person. You're finding a way how to be refreshed. Now, again, a lot of times people think, oh, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. It's about going to church. It's not about going to church. You can go to church and leave and still be completely unrefreshed, right? I mean, it's not the going to the church that does anything. It depends on your, if you're in a place where you can receive or not. It's, it depends if you're in a place where you can receive what God is saying. Right? You could sit and daydream in a church. So it's not about necessarily going to church. Sabbath is about having a daily rhythm every day. You're picking up manna. And then on the seventh day, you're mixing the whole thing up so that the seventh day is not just like every other day. The seventh day somehow has sprinkled throughout the entire day moments or times or events. And yes, it can be church or it can be um, being with like-minded people that have some spiritual capacity to talk to you. Uh, It can be prayer. It could be reading a sacred text, a scripture. It could be reading another sort of inspirational book. It could be music. There's so many different ways to connect with God, right? The important thing is, is that we connect somehow, uh, but every day, but especially on the seventh. And that the seventh day is mixed up in such a way that you're renewed. You know, you feel like, wow, that was a really hard week. And this world's crazy, and there's a lot of insecurity. But you know what? I feel, I feel a little bit refreshed today. I, th- I, I think that, I think that the Sabbath day has, has helped in some way. Now you can set up the Sabbath to be any day you want, as far as I can see with Scripture. It's the rhythm that's important, right? It's not the day. Traditionally, of course, for us, it's been a Sunday. Uh, it can be whatever you want. We found that out this last year, right? I mean, when your schedule's all mixed up and you don't even know what day it is, uh, the, the, the name of the day isn't important. The rhythm's important. And the in- setting the intention is important. Every day picking up that manna. Every day reminding ourselves, 
okay, it's really not all up to me. Because God, pro- God provides. God, God's, God's providing. And a lot of the time, insecurity is caused because we're worried about provision. And I think this daily rhythm is, is important. We don't just, you know, turn to God when we feel like it or when we've got time or when it's convenient or when we can be bothered. It's not about when we can be bothered, right? Olympic athletes didn't get where they are today because, you know, they always felt like it. They got where they are today because they practiced whether they felt like it or not. Spiritual discipline is very much the same thing. You practice it whether you feel it or not. It's necessary. Without it, you get extremely unstable. Yeah, so Sabbath for the ancient people was actually given as a wonderful gift, an amazing gift. In fact, Jesus said, uh, just so you know, Jesus said, God didn't make the Sabbath for God. God made the Sabbath for you. God doesn't need any rest, thank you very much. God doesn't need any uh, refreshment. God doesn't need to rest. But you all do. Otherwise, you get completely out of kilter. You get completely out of sorts. So remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. What is that about? Keep checking in. Remember where your provision lies. It's not all up to you all the time. There's the heart cry. There's the prayer. There's the heart cry. God, help us to pick up that manna every single day. Whether we feel like it or not, remind us to keep picking up that manna. And on that seventh day, mix it up so that it's completely different and brings refreshment. Well, thank you for joining me. You have been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode.